Amen. Amen. Thank you, Olivier, for powerful prayer. And thank you this morning for joining us uh, live on Zoom. And thank you all for tuning in with us here this morning. It is so good to have you here. And it's so good. Thank you, Andrew, uh, Dr. Andrew Kashner, for leading us in a time of worship and singing some beautiful music this morning and leading us in that psalm. And uh, it is such a blessing and such a privilege to be a part of a team that is uh, doing so much work behind the scenes and uh, pulling things together all week long so that we can gather and do what we do here uh, for a few minutes on a Sunday morning. And there's a lot that goes into it, a lot that goes into it. So it is so good to be with you all today. Um, welcome back uh, again. My name is Scott Siddig for those that might just be tuning in. And uh, I'm here to bring the word this morning. Uh, you guys ready to hear the word this morning? You guys ready to, to hear something from the Lord this morning? Uh, I'm going to be coming to you from Acts chapter 1, uh, verses uh, 6 through 14. So if you want to open up to the book of Acts, um, the book of Acts is in the New Testament and uh, was written by the same guy that uh, wrote the book of Luke. And so Luke is the author of both Luke and Acts, and there is kind of a seamless transition. There is a purpose in writing both of those, and they are to really to tell the history of the church uh, from the time of Christ, and even really going back a little bit more than that, all the way up to how the church spread after Jesus's uh, ascension, and uh, how the Holy Spirit came, and how the message of the good news, uh, the gospel, was preached and spread throughout the world. And uh, so Luke uh, takes some time to tell us that story because he believes it's worth telling and worth sharing. And um, this particular story uh, is the way that he picks up with uh, leaving off from his last chapter in Luke and now picks up with the first chapter of Acts here. So I'm going to start with verse 6. And uh, you should know that uh, the, the setting here is about 40 days. Uh, you can read that up in verse 2, uh, verses 2 and 3. Um, but the setting here is about 40 days after his resurrection. And so let me just read for you, and then we'll pray, and then I'll share a couple thoughts with you this morning. I'm reading from the New International Version. I've um, got my real-life Bible in front of me this morning, so here you go. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? It's an interesting question. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking up into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So... And the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill they called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. And those present were Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. 
they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. A powerful account of Jesus' ascension. We dig into this, the significance, the importance to our faith. Lord, we just invite your Holy Spirit that you would allow for a miracle of hearing and understanding. And Lord Jesus, may it encourage us to dig in, to press in, and to know more. I thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me share with you just uh, a couple of brief thoughts uh, on the ascension this morning. Why is the ascension so critical to our Christian faith or essential? Uh, there's that word again, essential. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about what's essential this morning, essential to the Christian faith. And this morning, I'm going to give you a tip, a tip, T-I-P. Uh, it's a big deal. And uh, I'm going to unpack that for you this morning uh, by sharing a tip. I don't know about any of you this week. Uh, I found myself staring up at uh, clear crystal blue skies. I don't know if you guys got a chance to be out this week. I found myself out and walking several different times this week. Uh, near my house, we have uh, a gorge and uh, we have some waterfalls. Uh, which is kind of unique living in the center city of Rochester, but uh, I can just walk down to the end of my street and walk along the gorge and walk over to some powerful waterfalls. And they were just, uh, it's just very full right now. There's a lot of water. And, and as I laid down on one of the rocks and, and kind of just stared up, I was looking at crystal blue skies. And uh, it just got me thinking a lot about this particular passage, right? Uh, the angels come along and they say, why, why are you looking so intently up into the sky? This Jesus whom you've seen go ahead of you is going to come back. He's going to come back. Don't worry about it. Get, let's, let's go get some, let's go get to work. Right. And, um, as I look around and, and I see the beauty of creation, I've been watching all the flowers, the, the flowering trees. There's just so many. Yesterday we went out West uh, we drove out west, uh, the west side of the county, and uh, saw some beautiful groves of apple blossoms, uh, apple trees, uh, full of apple blossoms, and um, absolutely beautiful. The, the world is filling in, creation is filling in with its beauty and its splendor right now. And, and yet I come back to this passage, you know, why, why are you looking so intently up into the sky? You know, there was a there's a mission, right? This creation is to be enjoyed. This creation is to be experienced, to be, we are to be good stewards of this creation. Um, but it is not the end in and of itself. Uh, Jesus had a mission, and that mission was to share the good news of the hope, the hope of Jesus Christ, the hope of his resurrection. And um, I believe that this, the ascension was essential to that journey. And uh, as I said, I wanted to share with you three thoughts around that today. Um, let's start with the T in tip. The T stands for transition. So if you want to take some notes today, write this down. Uh, I'm going to give you a couple of key words to build around today. Transition is our first word. Uh, the ministry of Jesus was transitioning to the disciples. 
Jesus was about to send another helper he called the Holy Spirit, but the work was going to be in the hands of the disciples. Now, Jesus knew they weren't all the way ready, right? Jesus knew, like, even up to the night that he was crucified, Jesus knew he was going to be betrayed. Jesus knew they weren't ready, but he was going to send somebody else, and he knew that the work could be accomplished, and he trusted the will of his Father and the plan of his Father. And I believe that this is absolutely essential to our Christian faith, that we experienced that transition, Jesus handing over the reins of ministry to ordinary people to carry on that ministry. His purpose, Jesus' purpose, had been fulfilled. He said that upon the cross. His job on earth was done. It is finished. His work was finished. But the work for us and the work of the Holy Spirit had only just begun. So as you think about that word transition, I want you to think about what happens in transition. What happened for Jesus in transition? Um, what happened for the disciples, I should say, that in transition? Number one, there was an empowerment, right? Uh, in transition, in handing over power, uh, there was an empowering element. But you will receive power, he says in verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. That's you and me. That's the disciples. That's everybody the disciples would talk to. We would be witnesses. So there's an empowering element. He didn't leave us to fend for ourselves, right? And the second thing that happens in transition is there's ownership. Jesus isn't there tangibly anymore. Like, what do we do? We've, this is now on us. And sometimes with, with great leaders, with um, charismatic leaders, with people who are leading great ministries, sometimes it's really hard to live into um, working alongside of them because they, they're so, uh, they draw so many people around them. They have so many gifts. And Jesus knew that for this mission to be accomplished, this ministry to go forward, that the disciples had to take a new level of ownership. That's where he says, you know, stop looking up. Don't be looking after me. Don't, this is in your hands now. So there was an empowerment element. There was an ownership element. And then there was a trust element. God entrusted the greatest message into the hands of ordinary people. Now, we look back and we think of all the disciples and we think how great they were. And some of them have been venerated by the church. And uh, some of them became like the considered the first bishops of the church and all this kind of like there was a transition. There was an element of transition because they walked with Jesus. But they didn't start out that way. They started out as ordinary people that were filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered to walk and talk the way Jesus did to do even greater things than he did, and they had to take ownership of their role in that. They had to recognize that this was their job now. It was their job to witness to who Jesus was, and that is so essential to the ascension, that Jesus had to leave it in the hands of the people, ordinary people who he had called, who he had set apart. So the first, the first word, the T in tip, is for transition. The second word today is invitation. The I in tip. The I in tip is invitation. I would like to read for you from John. Uh, there's three things that I think Jesus was inviting us to be a part of with uh, the ascension. And first of all, John 14, 1 through 3, it says this, 
Do not let your hearts be troubled. Just imagine that. The context for John 14, 1 through 3, just so you know, was uh, Judas has just walked out on Jesus. Jesus has just said to Peter that you're going to betray me. And now he follows it up. He's just washed their feet, all of them. And now he follows it up and he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Wow. <laughs> you believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms, and if that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. How do they know the way? Because Jesus has declared, I am the way and the truth and the life. Of course they know the way. Jesus is going ahead to prepare a place. Why is the ascension so important to us? Because there's an invitation to something eternal. There's an invitation to something that Jesus is preparing for us. He's told us if he goes to prepare a place, then he will come back to bring us to that place. And let's not get hung up on that like idea that maybe he's going to take us out of this world to bring us. No, there, there's way too much context here and, and many other scriptures that suggest that that what's being remade and what's ultimately we're being brought into is going to be a reborn remade recreated earth right and that's part of the stewardship that we are uh, a part of here as his being made in his image so there's this invitation to be with him that's the first part there's an invitation to receive the holy spirit which you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, the ascension was necessary to receive the Holy Spirit. So we are invited to receive the Holy Spirit. And then we are also invited to become witnesses, to witness to each other. You will be my witnesses, not just where you are today, not just where I've called you to be, but uh, in the surrounding areas and ultimately to the ends of the earth. And then Luke, that's kind of a a hinge verse for Luke in chapter 1, and basically he goes on to prove through the rest of the story of Acts how that came to fruition. So the ascension is about transition. The ascension is about an invitation. And then the P is the ascension is about preparation. You know, initially as I was reflecting on this passage and I was thinking about the ascension, I was thinking about it more of uh, completion. But I think it's more about preparation. In John 17, 4, Jesus actually declares his work is finished on the earth. Jesus, in his prayer in the upper room, declares that his work is finished on the earth. He glorified his Father by completing the work he was sent to do. Then on the cross, he also declared that his work was finished. The completed work of Christ was finished on the cross. From the resurrection through the ascension, that was all about transition and invitation and preparation. In other words, it became a new season. He was going to prepare a place for us. This is the hope of our faith. The promise of our lives is an eternal destiny with Christ, the kingdom of God brought to bear in all corners of creation. The new heaven will descend from the clouds and join with all of creation. That is Revelation 
the passage we read at the beginning of our service today, Revelation 21, the new heaven and the new earth. So as we think about the significance of the ascension, it's a no wonder that the disciples rejoiced. It's a no wonder that they were celebrating. Yes, it was painful. It was hard. But they had already been through his death and they had seen him rise again. What's not to celebrate that he was now being raised up on the clouds into heaven to be taken to sit at the right hand of the throne of the Father in heaven. Everything that Jesus had told them, everything that he had declared to them had come true. And they now got it. And that was something to rejoice because he wasn't dead any longer. He wasn't being taken from them. They were being given the invitation to do this new work, to share this ministry that he had brought them into. What a powerful opportunity they were being given. What's not to celebrate? And how did they live that out? They went back into Jerusalem and they devoted themselves to prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. Peter, over in his letter, actually gives us a little bit more insight uh, into how to live out this new reality. They devoted themselves to prayer, but he also says to humble themselves under the mighty hand of God to cast all of our cares and our worries on him. He tells us in his letter to be watchful, to be alert, and to be disciplined. Anybody struggling with a little bit of self-discipline these days? Anybody struggling to find that new routine? It's hard. These days are hard. It can be especially hard to devote yourself to prayer. Because some people find it hard to pray alone. But that's how we are to live into this new reality, is to devote ourselves to times of prayer, to allowing the Holy Spirit to pour into us, to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God to cast all of our cares and our worries on him and to be watchful and alert. Be watchful and alert. Don't be persuaded and fooled by the world's ways, right? Over in chapter 5, verse 10 of Peter's letter, he says, After you have suffered for a little while, God will restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. You see, the early church, they knew persecution, they knew suffering, they knew plagues, they knew trials, they knew all kinds of stuff. And Peter was writing his letter to be an encouragement to those who were suffering at the hands of the Romans, the suffering at the hands of ridicule and persecution. Peter knew what the early church was going through, and he was writing to encourage them. Is that your story today? Is that the situation you might be finding yourself in as a time of trial, a time of struggle, a time of maybe a lack of self-discipline surrounding some of the spiritual disciplines, whatever it might be. After you have suffered for a little while, in other words, hold on, hold on, tie that knot in the rope, reach beyond that break, whatever you have to do, and hold on, we're going to get through this. Because after we have suffered for a little while, God will restore and support and strengthen and establish us. And that's what we can hold on to today. I don't want us to run into that particular verse. Uh, I don't want to run that through the filter of our desire. I want you to be cautious with that verse. In other words, like after a little while, everything is going to go back to normal. No. This verse has to do with the renewal of our hope and the opportunity to continue to bear witness and to share the good news. 
it doesn't mean that it's all going to be the same. And it does mean that we'll be free once again to do what God through the power of his Holy Spirit has called us to do. But what has he called us to do? To be witnesses. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and all Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Are you being a witness? Are you being a witness during this pandemic, during COVID-19? Are you being a witness? What does that look like for us? What does that look like for the church? Some will declare that to be a witness, we have to be gathering in our places of worship and yes, following the rules, but some are adamant that you can't be a witness without having a corporate gathering. And others are, are saying, much like the Free Methodist Church is saying, well, let's proceed cautiously. We know we're essential, but there are many ways to communicate that gospel. There are many ways that we can prove ourselves essential. And so that's what we're going to continue to do. We're going to share and be witnesses with our friends, with our neighbors, with people who are watching uh, virtually, whatever we can do. What is essential? The message. Jesus Christ came to earth, lived an innocent, sinless life. He died at the hands of sinners to pay the ultimate price, the sacrifice for our sin. But the grave could not keep him. He rose again. He rose again victorious over sin and death. He walked among his people. He appeared to over 500 different people and his disciples confirmed the message that he had shared. And then 40 days later, he ascended. He ascended into heaven. That is an absolutely beautiful, beautiful image. And then he said, he had his angels say, don't just stare up into heaven. Don't just stand there waving your hands or looking for me. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit and you're going to go out and you're going to be my witnesses to this truth. That is essential. The message of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is what is essential these days. So whenever we get the chance to be back together, let us never compromise what the message and the opportunity is to share that message. I'm going to close from Psalm 68 today. I'm going to read the last four verses for you from verse 32 to the end. It says, Sing to God, you kingdoms of the earth. Sing praise to the Lord, to him who rides across the highest heavens, the ancient heavens, who thunders with mighty voice. Proclaim the power of God, whose majesty is over Israel, whose power is in the heavens. You, God, are awesome. In your sanctuary, the God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. Why is the ascension so essential and so important to our Christian faith? It is because God has now given us the opportunity to become his witnesses, and he has empowered us to do so. Next week, we will celebrate Pentecost. Next week, we will celebrate this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And this week, I encourage you to spend some time, spend some time reflecting on the power of the ascension, the importance of the ascension, and what it was preparing us to do. Number one, transition. Number two, invitation. And number three, preparation. The ascension was essential.
Let's just leave it there for today. I invite you to comment. I invite you to ask questions. Uh, I can respond to those throughout the week. Uh, I had a good comment uh, come in from my devotional and have tried to answer that today as well. So blessings on all of you today. It has been a privilege to be with you. I hope you enjoy your Sunday. I hope you enjoy your holiday. And um, it is just an absolute privilege. So uh, I'm going to close in prayer and then I'll give you a little bit of a treat here. Uh, my wife is going to help us out with that. So let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you. We thank you that you have given us such a wonderful opportunity to become your witnesses in the world. And that witness isn't through bricks and mortar buildings. That isn't through corporate gatherings. That witness is simply sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with everybody that we encounter with anybody who will listen. And so, Lord Jesus, we are so thankful. We are so grateful. And Jesus, we love you today. We pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. We pray that you would renew us. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would orient us and our hearts to love you and to share this good news that you have entrusted to us. Thank you, God. May you bless our times together with family over the next couple of days. May you bless our church. May you pour out your Holy Spirit in a unique and special way. We love you, we thank you, and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.